In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the day the Lord, which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is true. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the fifth book of Moses, known as Deuteronomy, chapter 26. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you, 
and put them in a basket. Then go to the place where the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. And say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. You and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join in singing Psalm 145 in the front part of the hymnal, page 119, Psalm 
A reading from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please stand. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In the name of Jesus. It seems like the thanksgiving that Moses prescribes for the people of Israel in Deuteronomy was more real than what we experience today. I mean that it seems more concrete, more direct, more tangible. Moses directs them, when you get into the land that God has promised you, and that land produces a harvest, you receive a harvest from the ground, you take a basket, and you bring the first of the fruits of the land, you put those in the basket, you bring it to the priest, and you announce where this comes from this what you're bringing in you set it before the altar of God and you bow down before God perhaps an observation about Thanksgiving today is that it seems like it's almost mainly a feeling something intangible abstract virtual perhaps not really real. Today is, of course, a national day of thanksgiving by presidential proclamation. So thanksgiving is celebrated in one way or another by people who do not even believe that God exists. And yet they too are thankful to whom they do not know but they have a feeling of gratitude and, a, and a kind of an expression of happiness and contentment with things for the, how they are. Others, though, do sense some divine giver, though it may be some generic higher power. Mother Nature, perhaps. Science. Or some other kind of God being out there is somehow partly responsible for the the things that I have. Many do believe in God. And yet his role, his connection to the things of my life for which I am thankful is a little bit fuzzy. Even for us Christians who believe that God has made me and all creatures, has given me all that I need to support this body and life, guards and defends me from all danger, even we can't always articulate easily how he does that. We can't necessarily put our finger on it and see it. Because it looks as though my body and life came from my parents. And it looks very much like my money was earned by my labor and my food came from the store. The children of Israel, however, they grew their crops on land that didn't belong to their families, It was neither inherited, nor purchased, nor rented. It was a promised land. 
which God had promised centuries earlier to their ancestors, and now, after rescuing them from slavery in the land of Egypt, now God was going to bring them into that land. And the reason that they knew it had come from God was because they saw the walls of Jericho fall down, and they saw the armies get destroyed. God gave them that land. They had the use and possession of the land only because God rescued them and fulfilled his promise. Those of us who are blessed to raise or harvest food have a distinct advantage here. We do gain a more clear vantage point to be able to witness the very real way that God still gives us everything that we need. We get a glimpse of it. But still, if we were to, say, pour into a basket just some of the fruits with which we've been blessed, we can look at this manifold ways, many things that he has given to us, and, and still we wonder, how is it that we can confidently declare and confess that this comes from God? The Israelites were to confess this before the priest and before the altar of God and recount their history and God's promise. That is, the way that they confessed that these blessings came from God was to confess before God what God had done. It was for them, I think, like a creed. As if to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and, and then to ask, what does this mean? It means that I believe that God has made me and all creatures, and that he's given me my everything. But, but of course, that's not all that God did. His promise of the land on which they lived, the promise of the nation, the promise of a rescue, this mighty rescue to settle his people in a promised land, was more than providing them with food. The promised land was more than fertile land. God didn't rescue Israel just to feed Israel. He could feed them with bread from heaven. He could water them with water from a rock. He didn't need the land. The Exodus, God bringing his people out of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land, was a foreshadowing of the ultimate rescue that God would give from, to his people from slavery to sin and death that would come by the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, to be slaughtered once and for all on the altar of the cross. So for them, at their thanksgiving, to recount the Exodus is like for us to recite also the second article of the Creed, that Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil. 
In other words, how do you know that everything that you have comes from the hand of God? Well, you bring your first fruits and you recite what God has done. Certainly what God has done in creation and in the physical world, but if you really want to know the kindness and the generosity, the giving nature of God, then you confess his son. Then you recount his story. For if God does not withhold from us his son, his only son, but gives him up for us all, what in heaven or on earth could he possibly withhold from us? Knowing that our gifts come from God becomes tangible, becomes real, we might say in the love that God shows us in Jesus. God in flesh. Jesus shows us the Father who gives and his gifts. But how are we to return thanks? Once again, I think we can observe that, that most modern ideas of thanksgiving are mainly feelings. Most people conceive of, of being thankful as something that you feel. Intangible, abstract, virtual, perhaps not even real. And yet we have real physical customs. At Thanksgiving time, like, like fall decor that features pumpkins and produce, we, we have big turkey dinners with all the fixings. We have family get-togethers and football games and parades with big inflatable cartoon characters. All fine. But none of which are tangible expressions of gratitude for all of our gifts to the one who gave them. See, just as we are tempted to, to think that the, the channel or the link between God and us giving us everything good isn't maybe real, we're also tempted to think, and the unbelieving world is convinced of this, that the connecting link then between us and God in thanksgiving, in worship, is also not really real. Perhaps we think, either on the way in or on the way out, that it's maybe psychological. It affects how we feel. Or, or perhaps it's mystical, or they might use the word spiritual, meaning not really real. Unlike in Israel, where the people were instructed to put their first fruits in a basket and bring it before the priest in a thing in, before a person, God's representative, the priest, and before the altar of God. The altar of God, of course, was placed in the tabernacle where sacrifices were made, 
where God made his presence among his people known, seen in a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. It was a place where God himself had designated, as it says, as a dwelling for his name. It was, in reality, God's house. So let's ask, is there such a place? Is there a real place where where God has chosen for his name to dwell? Is there an altar? A real monument on earth where, where man can actually deal with God? Can, can we really bring first fruits before God and expect God to actually receive them? Can we then bow down before him in reverence, adoration, and worship? Or is this Thanksgiving thing really just all in our head? Is it just our intentions or our feelings? I think it's helpful for us to remember that the entirety of Old Testament Israelite worship was a prophecy. It was a foreshadowing, a picture of God's dealing with his people in Christ. And so the tabernacle and the altar and the priest and the sacrifice was all made complete in the Jesus who tabernacled, who dwelt among us, who sacrificed his life on the altar of the cross. See, the reality of all of this was in Jesus. But the Old Testament altars, the sacrifices, were no less real then. Even then, they gave people a real way to bring their first fruits in thanks to God. So, is there a place? There is. There is a place on earth. There's many places on earth, but one very, very close to us, a place where God's name dwells, a place where God's word is purposefully proclaimed. Walls set up to support it and cover, and a roof to cover it. Beauty to adorn it. There is an altar a monument set up to recall what once and for all the sacrifice of the Lamb of God for sinners, a place where, according to Jesus' word, we are gathered in his name, and so he is present among us. So there is a place, a real place. We've even got baskets, plates really, in which you can place the first part of, of, of what the, the land or the labor that God has given you has produced. You don't have to bring the actual fruit. We've got all kinds of ways of, of representing it in, in currency or in checks or fund transfers. That part of it doesn't matter that much but it probably is important for us physical beings that we are to do something tangible like bringing it 
to the altar to show us, to teach us, to remind us that it's not being given merely to, to a uh, corporation, an incorporated nonprofit in organization, but it is in fact being brought to the altar of Jesus. And it's important for us to stand before this altar and, like the Israelites, to confess, to declare, to announce before God and each other what our God has done and the reason, the real, tangible reason, historical reason that we bring our first fruits. And then, place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. It seems that bowing down could be one way that we might make this Thanksgiving real, tangible. We read about it all over in the Bible. We might not be all that accustomed to actually doing it, of bowing down before God. The Bible describes it in a number of different ways. The most extreme form is when people would bow all the way down to the ground, face down, laying prostrate before the Lord. And there's kneeling, like the wise men who knelt before the baby Jesus, or one could, I suppose, bow at the waist or, or simply bow their head. If you wanted a way to perhaps make this Thanksgiving real, that is of coming and standing before your God, recognizing that he is your God and is there and that you bring these things to him, one way if you wanted to make this more tangible could be for someone to adopt something that actually has the custom, a custom that Christians have done since about the 1200s, though it's fallen away, that of bowing their head whenever they would speak the name of Jesus. Based on St. Paul's words to the Philippians that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, though kneeling isn't always possible. If you're interested, you, you might consider just one place. A good place to start would be in the creed. It's just the name of Jesus is just used once, I believe, in Jesus Christ. You could even practice at home when you recite the creed in your daily prayers. To acknowledge with your body the physical, the tangible, what God has also done for you in the physical, the tangible, and in all of Thanksgiving is more than a feeling. Above all, because Thanksgiving, Christian Thanksgiving, is centered in Christ. Because of his love for us in Jesus Christ, we see and believe the hand of God the Father in all our blessings. And through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, we may now boldly, confidently but reverently, come before our God with thanksgiving. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying and all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Almighty God, your mercies are new every morning and you graciously provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may acknowledge your goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.